Hi, thank you for listening to Trinity San Diego Podcast. If this is your first time tuning in with us, we want you to know that you are loved. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message will encourage you. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, you can help us by reaching others by investing at trinitysandiego.org slash give. Thanks again for joining us. Now here's Pastor Katie. We have fun here. Um, It's good to have fun in church, right? Like nobody likes going to a church and being all stuffy and like, like can't move, can't make a noise. You know, that's not this church. So we talk back, we participate. This is a participatory experience, okay? And so if you hear something that speaks into your spirit and you just want to say amen, you say amen. Um, And we're, that's how we roll here, right? Uh, But this morning, I get to wrap up our series on uh, knowing God, finding freedom, discovering our purpose, and this week is about making a difference, and uh, if you were here on Freedom Sunday, raise your hand. Yeah, there was quite a few people that experienced freedom. That was a really significant moment in the life of our church, and so if you did not um, listen to that message, if you were gone that Sunday... I encourage you, that brings freedom right through the podcast again. So go and listen to it. You will want to uh, experience that. Um, But last week, Todd talked about discovering your purpose, and it was also a a great message. encourage you to listen to it on the podcast. But I want to talk to you about making a difference and how many of us want to make a difference. Yeah, I think that ultimately the human need is to belong, but then also to live out a purpose, to be moving towards a destination that we have been called into, right? To feel a level of significance attached to our life, right? And uh, so as I was thinking about this idea this uh, last week, I, I thought about my dad, and my dad is an amazing dad, but my dad is a man's man, okay? You know what I mean? He is out, he's an outdoorsman, uh, he loves to fish, he hunts, uh, he builds houses, I mean, he's, he's just, he's a man's man, okay? And so, he would make us do things when we were children that I didn't necessarily enjoy, because I'm a girl, first of all, and um, second of all, I don't like being outside, except in San Diego, Okay. <laughs> Um, here's the deal though. He would love to go camping and I know people love to camp here. There is nothing wrong with going camping. Okay. So please let me just give you that as a disclaimer. I am not judging you if you go camping. (laughs) However, you cannot judge me because I don't go camping. Okay. My dad scarred me as a child by making me go camping as a tween. All right. I was like 10 or 11 years old. And he made us go up to uh, the campground. It was called Spicer Campground. It's in Northern California somewhere. And we would have to sleep on the ground in a tent. Uh, I mean, I've, I've had the whole experience, y'all, okay? The full meal deal, which is probably why I don't, I don't do it anymore. But part of the camping trip always included fishing because my dad loved to fish, and he bought this little aluminum boat. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how it fit our entire family, to be honest. It was just like bare-bones boat, you know, but every time we would go camping, he would bring the boat, and we would go fishing, and I remember this one particular trip. He goes, um, all right, guys, he's talking to me and my brothers, and he's like, guys, be ready. It's five o'clock in the morning. We're getting up. We're going fishing, and I'm like, isn't it the weekend? <laughs> It's Saturday. Why are we getting up at 5? And he's like, the early bird gets the worm or whatever. Or no, the early bird gets a fish. Or that's not the right thing. I don't know. 
whatever, whatever it is. But you get the, you get the fish, I guess, if you get there early, because that's when the fish are most active. And so he gives me this explanation of why we have to get up at five o'clock on a Saturday morning. And so of course I am a tween. And so I'm grumbling about it and complaining about it. And I'm like, I don't want to do it. You know, don't make me do it. I don't want to do it. I'm complaining to my mom, you know, begging her to help me, help set me free. from this and she's like oh no this is a family thing we're in this together and I'm like "Mm." all right so I get up at five o'clock in the morning and I'm still trying to wake up and my dad is so happy I mean like I see my dad and it's just full like he is in his happy place he's just so excited he's like Kate come on we're gonna go we're gonna go catch a fish my parents call me Kate and he's like Kate aren't you so excited you're gonna catch a fish today and I was like okay first of all this is not the first time you make me do this second of all I uh, it's five o'clock in the morning and I'm 11 and I'm not I'm not in this I'm not I don't want to do this dad and I was just resisting you know I was resisting and my dad got us into the boat, and, and he's getting to work on, on getting our life jackets on, and he's putting the, the lines together in the, in the poles, and then he's helping us get our bait uh, together. And what happened throughout the course of the morning as he helped me, and I eventually tossed my line in, and I caught some fish and had that real fun experience, um, there was a, um, a melding of our hearts together around this fishing experience that he wanted me to have. There was, there was a changing of my attitude by just being in his presence because all he wanted to do was to, to have a moment with his family. He wanted me to be in his presence and he wanted to teach me things in his presence and he wanted me to learn from him and he wanted us to enjoy each other uh, in his presence. And I think the biggest hindrance sometimes to us making a difference in our lives is not getting into the boat and allowing our father to show us what he enjoys, what he loves, and to teach us about what it is that we are meant to do to make a difference. And let me tell you something, what we are meant to do to make a difference when it comes to getting in the boat with our father God and enjoying fullness of joy is in his presence. When you enjoy his presence, when you are in his presence, there's fullness of joy. And what brings about joy to the father's heart is serving other people. You will never be closer to the heart of God when you are serving other people. Never. When you are making a difference intentionally, sacrificing your time, your convenience, your money, to be closer to other people, to serve other people. You're never closer to the fullness and the presence of God because people are his heart. And if people are not your heart, let me just tell you, there might be a lack of joy in your life. If you have a lack of joy in your life, you may not be serving in a capacity that's making a difference. It's quiet in here, but that's only because I'm speaking the truth. Night to Shine, what you just saw on that screen there was a news clip. That was only one of the news stations that visited us Night to Shine last year, and we're expecting more people this year um, and more news stations to come. But the reason why we show you that is because that was, that's our biggest outreach every year, by the way. And so you can make a difference by volunteering. You can make a difference by giving financially to that. But what happens, every single volunteer, if you've, if you've have, how many volunteers have, have been in here? Okay, I've got, a, yeah, I've got quite a few that volunteered for the last couple of years. And um, I've got people, we've got hundreds and hundreds of volunteers that go to Night to Shine. Um, but I get text messages and phone calls um, and emails from people I don't even know that, I, that were apparently here 
volunteering for Night to Shine, and they, say, they, they tell me the same thing. Different words, different person, but they say the same thing. They say, uh, I don't know what, what, what it was about that environment, but it felt like heaven. Because what you're doing is you are aligning yourself with Father God and his principles and how he wants you to experience the fullness of joy is in making a difference, which is what those people were experiencing. They couldn't put a, um, words to it. They didn't understand that's what was happening, but they were experiencing the power in the presence of almighty loving Father God in this house by serving other people. Every single person left the exact same way with the exact same experience. Why? Because when you get into the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. And every single person felt loved. Every single person did not, there was no chance for judgment, right? When we walk into a place like this, sometimes we can feel insecure. We can feel like we might be being judged or, or whatever. There, there was none of that, right? Because it was God's presence, okay? So I think that... When we talk about making a difference, there are hindrances, though, to each of us understanding how we can make a difference. And I, I saw this post on this well-known Christian influencer's um, Instagram this week, um, which is not, uh, I don't recommend getting your research for, uh, from Instagram. Um, however, I just thought this was interesting. Um, she, I, do, I do follow her because I like her stuff, but she brought a, a question that said, um, I'm doing research for a book, and I'm wondering what you think the basic human, basic question of the human soul that is being carried around in people. What is the basic question that everybody is asking? And I thought it was interesting, out of thousands of comments, because I scrolled through thousands of comments, the top three were, am I loved? Am I enough? And what is my purpose? over and over and over again had people, had people writing those three things down because that is what we are carrying around inside of us. There's this big question mark right here where our spirit is and we're walking around and we're carrying this question of like, am I enough? Am I enough? Am I loved? What is my purpose? And what I have to tell you is that yes, you are enough. And that may seem like, okay, Great, but why? Well, here's the deal. In Jeremiah 1, 4 through 8, it says, The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And then before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. The fact that God knew Jeremiah before Jeremiah was even formed uh, as a human speaks to the relational nature of our God. It speaks to the nature that our God knows us before the earth was even created. How crazy of a thought is that, by the way, that he chose you, um, but he first knew you before he formed you and then he appointed you. You see... God knows you, but I wonder how well you know him. How well do you know him? Because that is part of the equation of when you go to make a difference, to experience joy unspeakable. You've got it. He knows you, okay? Just in case you're new here and, you know, that might seem kind of weird. We believe that God knew you before the foundations of the earth. But he knew you first and then he appointed you. And so if there's a disconnect between you knowing him, it's, it, it's not going to make sense to serve other people or to give in an offering to make a difference because it's backwards. So what you need to know is that, yes, you are enough because you are known. Yeah, yeah. 
by the Father. And because you are enough, you are needed. Because you're enough, you are needed. You're needed to make a difference. This confirms uh, in Ephesians 1.4, it says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. So yes, I think it's a hindrance to us making a difference because those kinds of questions, am I enough, am I loved, what is my purpose, those hurt the Father's heart because he's so relational. Because he's like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding? Before you were in the womb, I knew you. I picked you before you were even in your mother's womb. Are you kidding me? Are you enough? Yes, you are enough. So moving forward into a conversation about how we're to make a difference, how we're to get out of the boat. You see, I've been talking about getting in the boat with Father, right? But now I'm moving into a new place of we've got to get out of the boat. Getting out of the boat is where we serve other people. Getting out of the boat is where we make um, a margin in our life, a gap for our life where God can show up and he can do a miracle, okay? So the person that I want to talk about this morning, how how many of you, I'm wondering if uh, you could guess, if I was talking about fishing and getting in the boat and getting out of the boat, who do you think I'm going to talk about this morning? Oh, we got some Bible theologians in the room. Somebody went to Sunday school. Hey, yeah. So speaking of somebody who had been chosen before the foundations of the world, Peter was um, the first disciple to be chosen uh, by Jesus to follow him into his ministry. And so he gets to follow Jesus throughout the course of his ministry. And throughout, when we read throughout the Gospels, we see that Jesus does miracle after miracle, and he's teaching his disciples along the way. He's actually, this is where he, he's inviting them into the boat. He's teaching them, he's instructing them, and then he's showing them what it looks like to truly love people, to heal people. And so we come to this story, what is most arguably one of Jesus' greatest and most prominent miracles, where he feeds the 5,000. He feeds the multitudes of people. Okay, so you have to remember that the disciples are eyewitnesses. They are eyewitnesses. They are actually seeing what Jesus is doing with their own eyes, and they're experiencing it firsthand. And so, they, so what happens is there's like thousands of people that learn about Jesus that can heal the sick, um, that perform miracles. And so they're all following him now wherever he goes to listen to him preach. And the disciples now are responsible for the people, helping him manage the people in the crowds. And so there's people coming up to him. And if you don't know the story, uh, they're like, we're hungry and we can't, where, where are we supposed to go to get food? And so then the disciples go to Jesus and they're like, what do we do? There's thousands of people here and we have no food. What should we do? Should we send them, should we send them away? And he says to them, he says, you feed them. You come up with the plan. Okay. So Jesus puts it back on the disciples. Sometimes when we go to Jesus and we're like, ah, help, help, I don't know what to do with this situation. And he's like, you fix it. I equipped you. You've got a brain, you know? And so, so I'm just saying, right? And so they're like looking around and they're like, okay, where can we find some food? Where can we find some food? One little boy, one little boy with his meager lunch. He has five loaves of bread and he has two fish. Meager, Right? Not enough to meet the need. The need is so great. There's multitudes, thousands of people, and he, he doesn't know what this little lunch can do. But when he came and he put it in the hands of Jesus, what happened? Multiplied. 
everybody left fed and there was actually an abundance of leftovers because there was a margin created. There's a margin created between my not enough and his more than enough. And what happens within that space is where the miracle starts happening, is when you give him what you can, when you give in your heart for the house offering and you're like, I don't know, this is a stretch, I don't know if I can afford to do this, you are, you're creating margin to see a miracle for his provision in your life, for multiplication to happen within your life. This happens supernaturally. Okay, so, um, but what happened is in this story, it happened naturally. So let's go back to Peter. So Peter is seeing this eyewitness. You literally see Jesus like break the bread and it's just still breaking, you know, like after the five loaves, you know, like imagine what that's like seeing that happen right before your eyes. You would think that the faith level of the disciples was like sky high, right? Like you see Jesus perform arguably the greatest miracle and you're like, whoa whoa, like faith, I can believe him for anything, right? He can do anything. He just fed 5,000 people out of five loaves and two fish. He can do anything. But look at this story. Just hours after this miracle happened, Jesus leaves the disciples. He says, I need a break. Uh, I need to go pray. You get it in the boat, and you go over to where they were going. Can't remember right now. Lucas, we talked about this. Where were they going? Gennesaret. Gennesaret. He said, you go on to Gennesaret. You get in the sea or in the boat in the sea, and then I will uh, meet you over there. So a few hours pass by from this miracle, okay? Biggest miracle ever. A few hours pass by, and Jesus looks into the sea, and he realizes that there's a storm. And the Bible says um, that they were struggling, that he saw them struggling from way far off. And so he walks out on the water. Okay, and in Matthew 14, 25, it says, Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. They said, it's a ghost. They just saw him like five hours ago, and they think he's a ghost. He goes, they go, it's a ghost, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. Take courage. It's I, it is me. It is I. Don't be afraid. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. One word Jesus says, come. And then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came to Jesus. In that one invitation, in that one word, when Jesus says, come, he's inviting him into a miracle. He's inviting Peter to experience a miracle. But look what happened. Peter had to, uh, Peter experienced the miracle of walking on the water. He, he, he's the only person besides Jesus that we know of that has ever walked on water, okay? Jesus was inviting him into this space of miracle, but there was a margin that was created. There was the space between Jesus and his, his step to get out of the boat. Margin. There was a margin. There was a gap created for a miracle to take place. But when Jesus asks you to do something, he's inviting you to experience a miracle. And whether or not you choose to get out of the boat is whether or not you will experience the miracle in your life. And making a difference is directly connected to experiencing miracles in your life. 
making a difference, serving uh, people, serving your community, serving at Night to Shine, serving in TC Kids, all of those things are directly connected to whether or not you're going to experience the miraculous power of God in your life. And then it looks, it's, it's, it's interesting, then we go through the rest of the story, and um, he doesn't end up sinking, and he loses focus on Jesus, which is a totally other teaching. I don't have time to go into that. We're focusing on the miracle right now, okay? But the miracle was walking on water, but then the story goes on. And then it says he gets into the boat in Mark six fifty one. Then he climbs into the boat with them, and the wind died down, and some were completely amazed. After Peter got out of the boat, that's when he got in the boat. I think uh, a lot of us, sometimes we are hesitating to serve or to make a difference or to give in that offering because we don't have a peace about it. I hear that a lot in Christian circles. I don't have a peace about it. And it's like this, this, this way of kind of dismissing our um, mandate that God asks us to serve and make a difference to other people because we're looking for peace about it. But the reality is, is that your schedule's too full. And you're saying you don't have a peace about it because you, you, you've filled, filled your schedule with way too many things and now it's, it's out of control. Um, I'm hitting on some buttons here, so let's keep moving here. Yeah, I, I, this is for me too because I, I hesitate. I hesitate serving when it's inconvenient. I'll just be honest. I make commitments to serve because that's my job, frankly. It's my vocation to serve other people. But sometimes I make those commitments um, far out in advance on the calendar, and then sometimes I don't necessarily feel like it. However, um, making a difference in serving is not necessarily, it's not about how you feel. I know that I'm telling you that the fruit of it is experiencing joy unspeakable, okay? But, but you can't, you're not going to get the fruit of that until you get over the hump of your feelings about it. Does that make sense? So we're waiting for Jesus sometimes to get into the boat, though, and calm us down about it. We're waiting for, we're waiting, because we're all scared, and we're fearful, or we don't have peace about it, and we're waiting for Jesus to get in the boat first before we experience and step out into the miracle, but that's not how it happens. That's not how it happened. It wasn't that Jesus got into the boat, and he said, okay, Peter, you're good to go now, and so then he got, gets out and starts walking. It, it requires faith. It requires a margin space, a margin to see a miracle. And he walked out into his miracle, into that marginal space, because he had what? He had faith. He had faith to believe, and he was obedient when the Lord invited him into the miracle. So we want our conditions sometimes to be ideal to make a difference. We want our conditions and our, our bank account to be ideal to give, and we want this to be ideal. And he was in the middle of a storm. He was in the middle of waves crashing, wind going, all this stuff. And he just got up. He just got out, and he just listened. He did it, and he experienced a miracle. But think about, think about the other 11 disciples now. This is what I was thinking about this week was, where were all the other guys? Because they, they were all in the boat. Okay? Why was it just one dude that got up and said, hey, Jesus, if it's you, I'll come out there. Hey, Jesus, I, I want to see a miracle. I want to see you move just like you moved five hours ago and made 5,000 loaves of bread out of five. I want to see you move. Why is it that there were 11 guys in the boat scared out of their minds not saying anything? 
How come they couldn't draw on the same faith of the last miracle to take them into this season, this storm? What was that? Because if we believe that he'll do it again like we sing, that you've never failed me, I believe that I'm going to see this thing come around again, that I'm going to see you do it again. Why is it that the disciples, the 11 other disciples, there was only one dude out of, a, out of 12 that stood up and said, I believe that I will still see a miracle even though I haven't seen this yet. Because what we do as humans is when we experience a miracle in this stage, okay, we're asking God for that baby that baby through infertility and we've been praying for the baby and praying for the baby and when we see Jesus show up in that scenario and we get pregnant and we have the baby we've got all the faith to believe right our faith is soaring now because God's answered us he's performed a miracle within our body but then when we have to walk through a cancer diagnosis over here that's a different kind of storm and so humans what we typically do is we're like I've never seen this before. I've never walked through this before. Yeah, I mean, he helped me get pregnant over here, but I don't know how to handle cancer over here. There's the, a margin. There's a gap, right, in our faith. You see, these guys only had hours between miracles. Some of us, we struggle because we go, through, we go through years without facing storms. But the storms that we walk through, because we do not have a script for our life. If we had a script for our life, wouldn't that be so much better? Right? Like when we're born, like God's just like, here you go. Know what to expect. On day, on day 14,765, you're going to hit a home run and blah, blah, blah. Wouldn't you love that? But we don't get to know the end of the story. We just have to live the story, right? And we have to live the story with a heart of faith. And so when humanity, I want to say this right, so just give me a second. I want to say this right. These guys were humans, and they had just witnessed one of the greatest miracles that Jesus had ever done. But what can keep us, what kept them from experiencing the miracle, and I believe what can keep us from experiencing a miracle, no matter what the conditions are that we're facing, is that we're looking for peace based on our projections, which is the past and not his promises. Projections is my first point. And projections are a hindrance to peace and making a difference. And projections, if you're in business, it's forecasts. We make projections and budgets at the church based off of what? The, the former year, right? You, you base your income, your expenses, and you build a budget. That's called a projection. That's called a forecast. Because humans, and it's good business sense, okay? Obviously, I'm not, I'm not saying don't build a budget and like don't get weird, okay? All I'm saying is, is that when we are applying projections to our spiritual life, not everything is going to be uh, as you predict, right? You cannot, you cannot predict the miracle that God wants to give you if you're constantly waiting on peace uh, in your projections. Does that make sense? I feel like I'm not saying this right, but you are. Okay, good. Okay, good. 
but when you are projecting and when you are building your future and making a difference based off of what you've seen in the past, you'll never have peace in that. Okay, what peace is for is not for your projections. It's for the path that you are meant to walk in. In Luke 179, it says, he came, talking about Jesus, to guide our feet into the path of peace. Okay, and so I wonder if Peter, when Jesus is looking at this man, Peter, he knows he knew him before the foundations of the earth, correct? We don't believe that that promise was just for Jeremiah. We believe that's for everybody. And so if he knew the path that Peter was going to walk, he knew that he was going to get out of the boat or that he needed to be presented with a decision to experience the miracle to get out of the boat because he was going to be, Peter was actually the reason why we have church, okay? Because Jesus looked at him and he said, on this rock I will build my church. And the reason there is a Christian church all over the world today is because Peter got out of the boat because he decided to make a difference and he was not basing what his miracle would be or what his service to others, to the future church would be based on a projection. It was based on the path that God had for him because he will guide us and he will lead us into the path of peace. Peace is not for your projections. It's for the path that he has you on and the path that he has you on is unique and it has been written for you before the foundations of the world and every, every page of your story has been ordained. The second um, point that I have that I think is a hindrance to us making a difference and serving other people um, is priorities. Priorities. Peace comes when making a difference becomes a priority. And when it becomes a priority, God sends the provision. You don't have to worry about the provision when you make serving others or making a difference a priority. Because God, when, when you're doing God's work, by the way, he, he gets the check. Okay? You just have to get out of the boat if you want to experience the miracle. He will pick up the tab for the calling that he has on your life. Let me tell you something. If it, the first year when Todd, <laughs> Todd says to me, guess what? I heard from the Tim Tebow Foundation. And I'm like, What? You heard from Tim Tebow? I'm like, what in the world? And he goes, yeah. He goes, we got picked to do Night to Shine. And I was like, what's Night to Shine? And he's like, it's like this awesome prom with like limos and like corsages and, um, you know, all the stuff. And, and we, we, we give them a crown and they get crowned the king and the queen of the prom. All of them do. And isn't that awesome? And I'm like, <clears throat> yeah. How much is that going to cost? projections because I'm like uh, I don't have a projection for this because this is the first year I've done this I'm like we got to rent limos we got to pay for this and he was like he's like Katie God's going to take care of it I just know God's going to take care of it and I was like I don't know because I'm the worrier of the two of us and I'm like I don't know but this is going to cost a lot of money and I was like okay if you feel like this is what we're supposed to do he's like yep this is what we're supposed to do every single year we've had an abundance I will tell you that is meant to roll yes so that is that's what I'm saying to you is that when making a difference becomes a priority for your life God provides right for what you're supposed to do you don't have to be on the hook for the tab when I was um 
serving at our old church, I was on the I was a part of building um, this ministry to women involved in um, the sex industry, particularly women that worked in strip clubs. You guys can come join me in the worship team. Um, particularly uh, just strip club ministry, it started out, and the ministry was called Charisma. And the point of the ministry was just to go into those places and present those girls that were working uh, a gift bag with like a cosmetic, like a, a lipstick or a compact, something that you know you assume that most girls would enjoy, right? And the, the message behind it is that you are loved. That's it. I didn't, we didn't go in there and preach at them. We didn't go in there and hit them over the head with a Bible. We didn't go in there and give them a track about how to clean up, you know, their situation. Because frankly, I don't think that Jesus was doing that when he came to minister to broken people. Jesus came and he sat with people. He never left them the same. They, never, they were never the same. But he never, he just came with a message of, of love and that you are enough. And yes, I have a purpose and a destiny for you. And as I got to know some of these women, like one-on-one, some of them left the industry. Now they're starting ministries on their own now. But let me tell you something. I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> getting ahead of myself because I get excited when I talk about what God does when we serve other people and we make a difference. I was in charge of getting the in-kind donations for the bags. That's what my role was. I was in charge of in-kind donations. I had never done that before in my life. I had never fundraised before. I had never asked anyone for anything before um, because we were a part of a larger church and money wasn't an issue. And so I was like, oh, I have to get donations and I have to get it for a thousand bags like in two weeks. That was what they told me. My leader told me, yeah, you got two weeks. We got to fill a thousand bags with something. We got to give these girls something. And I was like, oh my gosh, Lord Jesus, help me. Like literally, I'm freaking out like this. Todd remembers. He remembers me coming home and being like, where am I going to find a thousand lipsticks? Like that's not in the budget. It's not in the budget. So like I'm going on faith here. But when I stepped out of that boat, because let me tell you something, it might be scary to step out of the boat. It is scary to step out of the boat. What am I talking about? It's not might. When I was approached with an opportunity to go into strip clubs, which I had never been before, and y'all know I ain't perfect, but I had never been to a strip club. When they asked me, they said, would you consider leading this ministry? I, I, I had this tension, which you, some of you might have this morning, a tension that, that is a fear of the unknown. But what I found is, is that when I stepped out of the boat into the unknown, I experienced the fullness of joy that is the promise of being in the presence of God because he loves his daughters. He loves those girls. And what I experienced in me was a freedom to love people the way that Jesus sees people, to make a difference. But I was in charge of in-kind donations and I didn't know how I was going to do it. And I'm serious. I was like, uh, freaking out. And I prayed about it. And I remember talking to Todd about it. And I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to have to tell him we're going to have to buy it. I don't know what we're going to do. And um, he said, let's pray about it. I prayed about it and then I released it. A day later, I got a phone call from 
the president of World Vision, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with that organization, but they're all over the world um, get, bringing aid to um, third world countries. And you can actually sponsor, a chi- sponsor children, orphans through them. So they do a lot of humanitarian work and they're a faith-based organization. I got a call from the vice president of this massive nonprofit company. And he said, hey, um, is this Katie Corrigan? And I said, yes. And he goes, okay, well, um, this is, what's his name? So-and-so from World Vision. And I'm like, okay, um, where's this going? And he said, I-, I just want you to know that I heard about what your church is starting. And um, I think it's really awesome what the message is, so just going and loving people where they're at. But he said, this might be kind of weird, but he goes, I've got a warehouse in Federal Way, Washington, that's got about 4,000 makeup compacts. And uh, I've got about 1,000 lipsticks. And I've got, you know, a couple hundred compact mirrors. And he goes, can you use that? I don't know. I don't know if, if you can use that or not. And I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, yeah, I can use it. I'll, I'll be by with a truck today. I'll, I'll go get it. Because when making a difference becomes your priority, God provides. God puts the bill for what God's asking you to do. If he's asking you to give up your time to serve in first impressions, you might want to listen to that and get out of the boat. If he's asking you to serve at night to shine, maybe it has nothing to do with the church. If he's asking you to mow your neighbor's lawn, just so that they know that they're loved. Maybe it's a, an older woman that, that can't get out of her house. Whatever that is that he's tugging on you about, I want to encourage you right now to listen and to lean into that. Often this happens in familiar places. You see, what you need to know about this story of Peter in the Sea of Galilee, this is where this miracle happened was in the Sea of Galilee. Galilee. Um, but what we don't typically think about because we focus on the miracle or we focus on that part of the story is that Peter knew those waters. Peter spent every day on those waters, fishing in them. He knew what was underneath those waters. He, he actually knew the currents and all of the different, uh, everything you need to know about fishing on that specific sea, he knew. He was familiar with it. But if you want to see a miracle happen in your life, Jesus will sometimes interrupt familiar and ask you to do something unfamiliar. If you're in a place where you're comfortable, that can be a hindrance to seeing a miracle in your life. And I don't want you, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to go through that, right? Everybody in this room has a miracle that they're believing God for. Some, everybody does. And, and I want to encourage you today that the gap between Jesus and Peter was the margin that Peter created for the miracle. He walked on the water after he stepped out in faith. And even though his conditions weren't ideal, he still stepped out in faith and he saw a miracle. And I want to ask you as you create margin right now in your giving or potentially signing up to serve, are you believing that you're going to walk and not sink? Because it's about what you believe, about what God can do in your life. I'd like to pray for everybody.